what we thought we would do this morning is um, think back. We, we spent a good deal of time going through the book of Acts, and what, what impressed you about the Acts of the Apostles? We have uh, spent these weeks on going through it, and there must have been something about it that impressed you. But what I would like to do first, I want to just go through, if I may, and do a brief summary of the Acts of the Apostles, and then you'll have a chance to, to speak of whatever impressed you from Acts, and maybe something I say about the content will prompt your thinking on that. <clears throat> but let's, uh, let's do that first. Luke adds something to the Great Commission that the other Gospels don't give us. That is, he, he records a feature of the Great Commission that was not recorded where the Great Commission is given in other places. He does it in both the end of his Gospel in Luke chapter 24, and he does it again when he summarizes that in Acts chapter 1. And it's this. Wait. You see, Jesus said go, but he also said wait. And so Luke says, Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they were endowed with power from on high, and then the Holy Spirit would come on them, and they would be enabled to preach the gospel to the nations. In the first eight chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, Luke talks about the establishment of the church. The church is being established, and it's mainly in Jerusalem, but not, not exclusively in Jerusalem. It begins with Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, where Peter, guess what one of the big themes of Peter's message in Acts chapter 2 is? The resurrection. And he, 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 he preaches the resurrection, he preaches the gospel, he lays it out to the people, and he gets a tremendous response. They don't exactly form a megachurch because so many of these people have come from other places. Don't you think that's remarkable? That this happened on the day of Pentecost when Jews were visiting from all over the area, <clears throat> and then they became believers, and took the gospel back to the places where they lived. Then, as we go through the chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, we see the establishment of a church in various aspects. For example, there's opposition in chapter 4. Peter and John are called before the Sanhedrin. They're released, they're not imprisoned this time, this time, but they're released, and uh, the believers pray, and that gives them impetus for carrying on with the gospel. And then we come to chapter 5. Guess what? Complications. Uh, th th there's not only the opposition from the outside in chapter 4, when they're hauled before the Sanhedrin. There's opposition from inside when Ananias and Sapphira betray the trust of the apostles and the trust of the Lord uh, and withhold their funds. 
And then we come to chapter 6, and the apostles adapt to the situation that they are facing, and they find that they can't really handle the mechanics of the logistics of... Uh, they were apparently in the habit of distributing food to those who needed it, and I don't know whether that was because there were a large number of people who were visiting Jerusalem and weren't in their jobs and their homes, but whatever the case was, they, uh, they needed help distributing the food, and so they appointed uh, seven to help them, and they arranged that, uh, and this apparently became something of a feature of the early church. And then there's the death of Stephen, isn't there? Uh, and, and, and his testimony is so powerful as he explains uh, the gospel and the impetus of the gospel in his life. Well, that brings us sort of to the end of the establishment of a church. And then we come to the, a, a great transition that takes place in chapters 9 through 12. And in chapters 9 through 12, there's an enormous transition that takes place. There have been individual cases of this before, but this now becomes massive, that the gospel goes from not the Jewish nation, but the world. Now, you know what that means for us, right? That, 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 that to me is mind-boggling, that the gospel moves from being just restricted Excuse me, I don't know if I should use the word restricted. It goes from just being preached to the Jewish nation to the whole world. So it begins with what? The conversion of the Apostle Paul. The, Peter has been established as the leader of the early believers. What's wrong with Peter? Well, we need somebody... I'm sorry, I'm kind of putting something on God that I'm not sure I need to put on him. God needs somebody from the Gentile world <laughs> to take the gospel to the Gentiles. I don't know God needed that, but uh, he, anyway, he chose the Apostle Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles, and uh, he is, he is going to prepare him, he's going to have, have him go through a period of preparation, and then he's going to really just hit the trail and, and take the gospel out. But what about Cornelius and all that in chapters 10 and 11? Why Peter? Why, why is it not Paul who comes to the house of Cornelius? I think because Peter was trusted among the apostles and we want to keep the unity. God wanted to keep the unity of the church. And therefore, he sent Peter to Cornelius. And Peter brought the gospel to Cornelius. And I, that's my guess anyway. I'm, I'm kind of going a little bit beyond scriptures. But that, that's what the Lord does. He takes Peter to Cornelius. And, and Cornelius is saved. And that, that begins to open the door to the Gentiles. And then, the, and then Paul... Uh, will take over and, and really uh, take it out to the ends of the, that part of the world anyway. That's the transition. Then we come to the expansion of the church beginning in chapter 13. 
And in chapter 13, one of the things that has been established in the transition is a new center in Antioch. Not replacing Jerusalem, but in addition to Jerusalem, there's a new center in Antioch, a new church that is powerful and thriving and just doing great things in Antioch. And uh, Paul and Barnabas establish a center there and they begin to send out the missionaries in a big way. Paul and Barnabas then go out on the first missionary journey, then there's the uh, change to Paul and, sorry, Paul and Silas in the second missionary journey. But before the second missionary journey, we have the, in chapter 15, we have the council in Jerusalem. What's the council in Jerusalem about? It's about the transition. It's about the transition of the gospel to the Gentiles. Can the gospel really go legitimately to the Gentiles? And so uh, the council in Jerusalem, chapter 15, and then following beginning in chapter 16, uh, Paul's second missionary journey, and then his third missionary journey. And then, I, I don't know, I like to call it his fourth missionary journey, when the soldiers took him to Rome, and uh, Rome paid his way to, uh, the Roman government paid his way to the city of Rome, and Paul became a missionary in the city of Rome. He, they had focused kind of on Eastern Europe, what we call Eastern Europe, in the first missionary journey. It gone over into Western Europe in the second missionary journey and, and the third, and then he goes to Rome. And from Rome, uh, we get the further expansion of the church beyond the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, it, it's just such a, an amazing story, a story of uh, powerful expansion of the gospel from the early days when there were only a few disciples to across the across that part of the world anyway. Now I, I have some comments on some features of it that impressed me, but I'd rather leave those to afterwards and have invite you. What what what, what impressed you about the Acts of the Apostles? And I'll bring the microphone to you, and uh, let's hear, let's hear what you have from the Acts of the Apostles. Probably the biggest thing that impressed me was how many times Paul traveled throughout that region, and you know, all the different cities and churches and home churches that he visited and the people he touched and, you know, just thinking in today's values, how many frequent flyer miles would he have? You know, uh, just the sheer amount of travel by boat, by, you know, walking, etc., just to spread the gospel. And, you know, he did it unabashedly, you know, with no reservations whatsoever. You know, marooned on an island, and, you know, still, he's ready to share the gospel. And it just kind of makes me want to get out there and, and share the gospel even more. Good. Thanks. 
Sam. So one of the things that really impressed me with the whole book of Acts is how many times we saw abundant persecution. I mean, we see that from Acts 4 and it starts increasing. I rem I'm, the biggest thing I remember was that we had this gauge throughout the, the series from from being light to moderate to heavy to absolutely severe persecution. And I'm, I'm being reminded that even in the midst of all that, the, go the gospel still went forth, that the Lord's purposes were still accomplished, even in the midst of all that persecution. And for me, for someone like myself, there'll be those moments where I'm thinking, there is so much going on in my life, there's no way that I could even do anything like this. But the Lord may have put this one person in front of me for that one, for this one very, very brief moment in the midst of all this stuff going on so that way they can not only just hear the gospel, but see it lived out. I think something that really impressed me about Acts and the whole like ministry through the church is um, how when God said something, they weren't like, oh, yeah, I want to do it, but like I have this. They said, yeah, I'm going to do it. Paul spent his whole life traveling because he just did it. He did what God said, and he just went for it. That, yeah. All right. If we were like that. One thing I benefited from in your teaching through Acts was connecting, for me, the, the placement of the writing of the epistles in the Acts story. I think that was something that was kind of new to me, and I just, especially when you get to the end of the epistles and you see those lists of people, to see them pop up in the Acts story and be like, oh, it's not just a random list of people. Like, So that was a, a neat um, connection in the Bible to make. So thank you for connecting the dots for me. When Paul was in Athens, he said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. And then he went on further, but that was winsome, wasn't it? And I want to find winsome words when I'm wanting to share with my two brothers and sister and maybe neighbors and whomever the Lord brings across my path. When we were homeschooling our sons, our goal as homeschooling parents was to train up gentlemen, soldiers, winsome for Christ. And that still is our prayer, um, that we would be, and our sons and their family and our grandchildren would be winsome for Christ. But for Paul to go in and say that, he didn't offend them at first and he even at, at the end of that passage, some did believe and followed. Um, so I'm looking for, and I've started many times in my mind and writing down notes on how I might approach my family members to win an audience with them. It may take many, many times of saying things that to them are offensive, they don't want to hear, but there still needs to be their, this winsomeness about what I share with them. 
I think I think the two things that stand out for me was consistency and perseverance on the parts of the apostles. They never deviated from the plain gospel message to appease anybody or to water down the gospel. They were consistent all the way through, even all the endurance they had to have, the people they were con confronting, and then the perseverance through that endurance. Look at, look at I mean, the jailing and the, the, the multiple court cases. They bring them before one governor, then another governor comes in, then a king comes in, and they're tried over and over again. But they never deviated from the gospel message. They, they persevered. And Paul is in prison many times, and he, he suffers intensely, but continues on, even witnesses the people in the prisons, and just car carries on. Yeah, good. And if you put those two things together, Paul's winsomeness in that case. I, one of the things I noticed as we were going through Acts was how Paul adapted his approach. He did not adapt the message. He, he was consistent and clear on the message, but he adapted his approach to the audience he was addressing. I think something that I noticed that really kind of um, was something that I've been thinking about a lot is their boldness and like being able to speak and not being afraid of the persecution. Yeah. Uh, the the question that Paul posed um, from Acts twenty one, Paul, this Paul, um, asking Apostle Paul. Uh, in my notes, this is what I wrote. Is he worthy? After it all, Paul, is he worthy of all you've done, been through, labored for, been concerned about, went to prison for? Is your character changed, maligned, smeared, the beatings, the shipwrecks? Is he worthy? And then asking us, is he worthy of all you give, the money, the time, the labors of love, the things you say no to, the things you lose, the respect, the surrender of loved ones, of mended relationships, of turning the other cheek, of honoring marriage vows, of unseen vows, etc. And then the apostles' response. Me, the chief of sinners, you ask me if he who became sin for us, that we might become righteous, if he is worthy? He is worthy of worship, praise, and our entire life. And that's what we see from the apostles. I think that was one of the highlights of uh, the messages that, is he worthy? Anyone else? There was... <clears throat> I get emotional thinking about it, honestly. Um, I don't know that there's one one thing that I could pull out of this. Um, it's been an incredible blessing to me to hear and process and wrestle and think through and be a part of, of um, just learning and, and being reminded of this. And, and I think, but I, I think if there was one thing that I've gotten out of this whole study is just a um, reinvigoration of the 
of the legitimacy of who we serve and the message, the power of the one we serve, the reason we follow him. And, and um, I think in a lot of ways, Acts ties the, the it, it brings a solidification of the message of the gospel in a way that, that going through this has clarified and given me a deeper a deeper understanding and and, and just a um, just a, a renewed passion and fire and desire to take what they have done and keep doing our part to move forward. You know, we may not have to endure the things that they endured, or we might. Um, but but the the joy to be able to say this is the message and we get to have the blessing of being part of it and to and to um, understand and take that forward maybe that's a 21st century extension of what Jesus said at the beginning wait until you receive power from on high and that power is still extending huh anyone else I think one of the um, ways that the the book shows the cl clarity and focus is on Jesus is using the phrase that um, the name of Jesus and how many times it talks about the name. Um, it is it is by the name of Jesus Christ whom you crucified that this man stands before you today. Um, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise or stand up. Um, and then even the, even the, um, the ones opposing them say, we refuse to let you speak um, in this or to teach in this name. They know that, that power of that name too. Um, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And it just keeps on going. I had underlined all, or circled these um, just throughout the whole book. The name of Jesus. There's just the focus on that and the power of that and the clarity of the message just of the name of Jesus, Jesus himself. Oh, <laughs> one of the things that impressed me this time going through the Acts of the Apostles was the emphasis on teamwork, that Paul always had others with him. And typically, younger men whom he, whom he was mentoring, uh, he, he was bringing people along. I mean, we've seen it all our lives in Timothy, right? That, that Paul was always shepherding young Timothy and bringing him along. Uh, but, but the others as well. It wasn't just younger ones. Barnabas was a kind of promoter of Paul uh, to the early church, to the early apostles. Uh, but he, he was always he always needed to have a team with him. He was always concerned about having uh, those with him. And I think that's one of the things that came out, especially, uh, Paul, when you uh, 
reviewed uh, the, the, the characters in the Acts of the Apostles and showed how they were, how they were uh, involved in the churches uh, that Paul had established. And then the other thing was that what Paul did, his mission was church planting. That he went and planted churches. Uh, once had a friend who wrote an article on Paul's faith in God that he could plant a church and, in, and leave in a few weeks and trust the Holy Spirit to shepherd the flock. <laughs> but that wasn't always the case. He sometimes spent longer time with the churches. Uh, but in any case, what, what he was concerned about was establishing not individual Christians, but Christians in fellowship uh, and, and giving them that nurturing environment. And then his emphasis on even when he was not at a church, writing to them and in his epistles, nurturing the church so that the church would grow uh, through what he had written. And then, of course, we know the benefit of that for us. And then support from the churches. He talks in, an, in numerous places about support he is receiving, he and his companions are receiving from the churches. Churches, they were young churches. They, were, they had only been formed. And they were supporting the missionaries who were traveling around uh, the region uh, spreading the gospel. And then uh, what has already been mentioned, something that struck me was Paul's bent to take advantage of every opportunity. Whether he was in prison or whether he was a shipwrecked or wherever he was, he was always, he always took advantage of it. It was never an interruption in the spread of the gospel. It was always something that promoted the spread of the gospel. So that the, the whole Praetorian Guard heard the gospel uh, when Paul was in Rome. It, it was just... Uh, something that was so impressive that Paul, Paul, his passion was the gospel and he spread it everywhere he went and in every circumstance he found himself. So th those were some of the things that impressed me. And I, I was just... Uh, when we started this study, I thought, man, we're taking on a lot. That's a lot, you know, th that number of chapters and, and long chapters. And but I was when I was finished when, when it was finished I was I was impressed by how the Lord had had mm. used it to speak to me mm. and uh, it was just something very very profitable. <laughs>